and uh, someone corrected us, and oh, I'm so glad. Right. I'm so glad that they did. Um, we've been saying that the ass butthole white that is Syrian Sorry, is, sorry. His name is actually pronounced Kieran. Kieran, <laughs> Kieran, we're sorry. And also, how did you guys let us go on for a year and a half like this? Oh my god. Hello, Lillian. Hello, listeners. Welcome back. It's Airbuds. What's happening? Um, not much, Piper. I am excited to talk about this. I have a lot of feelings about it. Yeah, good, bad, neutral, <laughs> all of the Medium above. Medium to bad. <laughs> oh no! I actually really liked this version. Oh my god, I'm so excited. We're talking about the opera. There's like, okay, so when I went on to Amazon Music, um, because that's like the only place where we could find this, Uh a few things came up when I searched Jane Eyre Opera. Um, and I clicked the one that you told me to click on. So we did listen to the same one. Um (laughs) I'm like panicking. (laughs) No, it's definitely the same opera. But opera is a very uh, it's kind of like you either love it or you hate it. And yeah. we had said before, I had asked you, I'm like, have you ever like gone to an opera? And you said, nope. So, no. and this one did obviously did not uh, instantly make you an opera head uh, obsessed with it. I don't think it. so, no. Um, <laughs> which we're going to talk about. But before we get too far into opera, we have two people we have to say thank you to, don't we, Piper? Yes, we do. Oh, the patrons keep coming. And every time it surprises me. We're genuinely <laughs> shocked and thrilled every single time. Like you guys, if we get enough of them, I'll release screenshots of our text exchanges every time we get a new <laughs> Just be patron. Like, what? Oh my gosh. Somebody wants to do it again? Again? We got another one? It's so nice. So this week, we are delighted to thank Annalisa. Thank you so much, Annalisa. Thank you for supporting us. Welcome to the family. Welcome. We appreciate you. And we also have a very special thank you for our first ever Jane and our patrons, Mm -hmm. which is Katie. Yay, Katie. Hi, Katie. We love you. We love you so much. Friend of the show, Katie. Yeah, she is the best. Thanks, Katie. Thanks, Annalisa. Thanks, all our other patrons who we thanked before. Welcome to the club. Welcome to the family. It's just going to be a great time. And if you want to be part of this very exclusive friendship club, uh, then you can send us some money. <laughs> you just yes. have to buy your way it's into just it. A little, <laughs> it's just a little money and forever friendship. There's no limit on the friendship. There is a limit on the money. <laughs> Absolutely. (laughs) So um, now that we've given uh, a nice little shout out and praise to our beloved patrons, um, let's go back to talking about opera. Thank God. Yes. Okay. So you said you had never seen an opera in person. Never before. Have you ever like listened to any of it? Never listened to it. A clip on YouTube? My most, my impression of opera is 100% from watching romances where at some point they go to the opera and have dramatic looks at each other from balconies where they're watching opera and the opera singers are singing something dramatic and like people are looking at each other dramatically across the room. (laughs) That is my experience of opera. 
So essentially, Pretty Woman, uh, yes. when he flies her to um, wherever to go see that opera show, uh, yes. and she loves it. And then also, I can think of in 94 Little Women, when Professor Bear takes Joe on that cute little opera date. Yeah. So it's yeah. basically that in every movie that I've watched like that, which is mm-hmm. fun to me that that's a trope. And even funnier to me that that was literally all I experience of opera and I was like I should listen to an opera and tell people what I think about it (laughs) (laughs) so I have been to I think two operas in my life maybe three my aunt and uncle they have season passes to the Minnesota opera uh, because my uncle his father was an opera singer professionally so he grew up loving that um, and I've got to go to a couple shows with them and it's kind of like if you like musicals but there's no talking um, uh-huh. and they go on for f- like four hours or longer. So it's a big commitment. But if you if you get it, if you go to a, the right opera, um, you know, some of the music is just absolutely amazing. Some of it can be a little too sort of like talk singy. And usually most operas, at least the ones that I've seen, are in different languages. And what's really cool, too, about seeing an opera in person is they have essentially um, subtitles above huh. the stage. So if the performers are singing in Italian, um, then they have the English translation showing up there, uh, sort of like if you're watching you know, a thing and you want to have the captions on. Cool. But for me, in seeing an opera in person, I think a big part of it, if the music isn't like grabbing you constantly, a big part that makes or breaks an opera is stage direction Mm. because you can do some really creative, cool stuff where it's like, I saw an opera once um, and I can't remember exactly which one it was, but there was a, a war was happening um and it was about like soldiers falling in love with like random ladies but they had this like (laughs) this stage they kept doing battle scenes where the stage was like circular and it could like tilt upward at like a severe angle and the soldiers would like run up this like tilted stage and fight each other and it was so awesome so you can do really cool stuff like that i've also seen operas where they go for this minimalistic style and it's really easy to fall asleep when there's nothing to look at Uh, and it's just people standing there and singing in a different language for five hours uh, so you can know, you know, take it or leave it. Just wanted to lay that kind of groundwork of my intro to opera and how I feel about it. For the nice. most part, I think it's rad. <laughs> yeah. And I do think I'd be curious to see if you found a different Jane Eyre opera on the Amazon, because I, a lot of when I like searched for it, other things came up. But when I dug into them, for the most part, they were like the musical soundtrack and other things, even cool. though that really wasn't what we were looking at. So the opera that we listened to, in case there are lots of them, is a 2002 opera by somebody whose first name eludes me, and I didn't put it in my <laughs> notes, but his last name is Berkeley. Berkeley. He was a fancy man who is now in the House of Lords. Okay. So I... Did some Googling on how the British government works, because my understanding is that means that he's like from an aristocratic family. It was not clear to me. Somebody, one of our UK <laughs> listeners, like, if you care to for us to know, please tell, explain it to me, because I did not get, I did a lot of Googling and I did not understand it. So he wasn't previously a lord, but he has since become a lord of some So kind? it's essentially like... You take, up your, you take up your seat in the House of Lords. So it's like in 20-something. So at the time he wrote this, he wasn't a lord. It genuinely got so confused that I bailed. <laughs> okay, no worries. I was like, this is confusing and uninteresting to me. It's not going to be fun for the podcast. 
<laughs> so anyway, he's a fancy boy now. He's a fancy boy. And the person who wrote the lyrics, which has a special fancy opera name, I also didn't write down his name. Um, but he's a fancy boy who has like won awards for poetry and is like a fancy Australian poet. And so it's two very fancy boys who I think did not do a great job. Oh, (laughs) you said he's an Australian poet. Yes. Okay, cool. I think so. Cool. I didn't know because I, when I think of opera, I think more like Europe and stuff. So I was like, are you thinking Austrian? So I just No, he was definitely from somewhere that speaks English. Okay. Down under. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was Australian. (laughs) And if I'm, and if I'm wrong, comment it publicly. So we get the engagement. I mean, Australia does have famously that beautiful Sydney opera house. So yeah. (laughs) Okay. So let's talk about some general things before we go into details. So you weren't crazy about it. Didn't love it. (laughs) Was it, how much do you place that on the medium itself? That maybe wasn't your jam versus the the story and and the emotions and all that jazz um i think it's probably like a 70 30 situation so it's probably 30 percent. it's like not a format i'm familiar with it's not something that i like have a lot of experience in and so i did find myself like giggling at him like (laughs) being out of breath trying to do a monologue in song like Mm -hmm. that was funny to me but the other thing here's a couple of contextual things that i think really explained what I what I felt was missing about this. So first of all, you pointed out that most operas are like four hours. This mm-hmm. was an hour and 11 minutes. Yeah, so this is a baby opera. It's a baby opera for a giant book. So they did. So essentially what I found out is this guy who's like very famous for writing these operas, Mr. Berkeley or Lord Berkeley, depending on how disrespectful <laughs> I'm being. Um, but he was writing... An, an opera on Jane Eyre. He had the score for the first act done and it was stolen. What? So he did the whole score for like a full opera for act one and it was stolen. And this was 2002. So apparently he was writing it like by hand and it was stolen, I think out of his car. And what? so he had to start over again. Oh, and that sucks. Poor guy. <laughs> Poor Bean. Um, he, I think he's fine. <laughs> No, oh my god, that's like hurting my soul. Um, I mean, it's just like just when like that time, Amy burns Amy the, book. the book. <laughs> exactly, and I'm like, you don't understand if this is lost and you've spent how many countless hours working on a creative project and now it's gone. It's like, can I just retreat into my turtle shell and never emerge again? <laughs> so he, that's why he ended up rewriting essentially like a lighter version of it. Mm-hmm. So he wrote it for only five voices and 13 instruments, which is okay. incredibly light. And does make some of the choices they made make sense. But the review, I, I, because I was trying to find more information on like the cast and stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, it is not like an overly famous thing. So there's not a lot of information about it. For example, there's a total of three pictures that have survived to make it to the internet. Because the rest of the photos were (laughs) stolen from the other car that he has. Yeah. (laughs) Um, All of them were on blogs that haven't been updated since 2002, which I really enjoyed. If you haven't found a website since 2000, that was hasn't been updated since 2002. I recommend it. It'll make you feel really good about where we are with technology nowadays. 
Amazing. <laughs> Slightly more advanced than the classic uh, Space Jam website from, yes. like, what, 98? Yes. <laughs> but not uh, quite where the rest of us are at. <laughs> so the one of the blogs that had a couple of pictures on it, the guy had actually gone to see the production. So mm-hmm. he had some notes on stage directions and stuff. And both of the reviews that I, like, skimmed were very middling on this mm-hmm. production. They were not huge fans of it. And I think what this man said really encapsulated it for me, which is, he said, before you see the show, if you haven't read the book in a few years, you might want to read a summary before the lights go down. Which <laughs> was particularly funny to me because I'm like, yeah, because if you didn't know Jane Eyre and you saw this opera, you would still not know Jane Eyre when you left. <laughs> Okay, so that is something that, because yes, he changed the story a lot, but I kind of really liked what he did with it. It's going to become like a more, the more things that we see that are like different uh, from just a simple being like, I'm going to do a movie of Jane Eyre and make it like all the other movies or whatever. I really like someone, you know, taking the story and kind of doing something different with it. I like an actual adaptation. I want changes. And so one thing that I think is so cool that I really liked about this is so it it doesn't do her childhood. It just goes from, you know, Jane getting her position and now she's at this like scary house and they kept like playing with this idea of because my first note here talks about how Adele is sort of telling this like scary story of and did you happen to get the name? I think she called referred to the woman as like uh, Lucia, Lu- Lucincia, something like that. But Adele is telling the story of this ghost who walks around in a bloody wedding gown. Mm-hmm. And like, there's all this stuff about it's very spooky. I thought the music, by the way, really set the tone of the. Mm-hmm. And it's like, this is a very <laughs> spooky short baby uh, opera. And I like it a lot. It became this whole more gothic spooky ghost story mm-hmm. that's kind of based on Jane Eyre. Not really like a direct Jane Eyre adaptation because Bertha is way more like kind of. I don't know. She has more agency. She mm-hmm. literally like confronts Jane herself. Yeah. And there's like, whole, I don't know. Oh, we're going to get into those details. Yeah, we'll get into but, it. I think if I thought of it the way you're describing it, I may have enjoyed it more. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I really liked what he did with it. I think he, he took a lot of the really spooky Gothic elements and he ran with them. Okay. So we've kind of talked about basic stuff. Let's go into some of these details. I, I liked a lot of this stuff. The things that I wrote that I wrote down and then want to talk about are the choices that he made narratively that I'm like, ooh, that's fun. I kind of like that take on this. So I like that we have in the beginning here, Adele instantly is telling like Jane this creepy story. We have the laughter. We have the creepy background music. And so one thing that I really love that they had Jane do is right away in one of her first songs – she gets the sense that something's weird about this place. Something's creepy about this place. And being a governess, she goes to Adele and asks her, she's like, do you feel safe here? Is, is Rochester, is he kind to you? And she's like, oh yeah, he's great. And I don't mind the house is scary, but whatever. And she's like, okay, I'm just making sure you're safe. And I liked that approach. I'm like, that's good. Look after the kid. That's why you're here, Jane. So that kind of step into sort of addressing how spooky this is. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, I thought, so I'm going to counter, this is how we should do this episode. I'm going to counter something I thought was bad and dumb. (laughs) Nice. I'll say good things. You say bad things. (laughs) Um, So what I think an interesting choice that they made that I didn't enjoy, which I understand from like a narrative perspective and you've got more of this like opera choice. So, so it is like, it did feel like a choice they made because it was a different medium, but they did like the 
what I, what I would call an overture, um, which is like the overall kind of summary of the stuff that they start with. But then when Jane Eyre shows up, when Jane shows up to the house, Rochester knows she's there and like is talking about the fact that Jane is there. And to be fair, one of the things that we talk about in a lot of Jane Eyre's is when they don't say, when Rochester doesn't say Jane enough and dramatically enough, that is not a flaw (laughs) of this. No, like right away, it's like, Jane, Jane. Everyone's a spooky ghost in this opera. Everyone's a spooky <laughs> ghost. And Jane is the voice, is the name that is haunting this place. So the way I kind of interpreted that, and again, we didn't have actual like recording to watch. We're simply mm-hmm. going off of what we can hear. It almost sounded to me like this opera was kind of doing what a lot of versions do, where they sort of begin with the end of mm. Jane running away. And so we're hearing Rochester calling for yeah. her, like kind of it's that sort of flashback moment and then we are brought back to like her arriving at the house for the first time for sure I think that's absolutely what was happening with the sort of initial overture part but the like I have this broken out the way that I don't think they're actually broken out into songs but Amazon Music broke it out into songs so that like the next song is I'm expected and it's her showing up and saying I'm expected and we still hear Rochester so he still knows she's there and then later she meets him on a horse and he knows who she is. And it's just, she happens to knock him off his horse. Like it just, there were so many things like that where I'm like, well, you can either skip it or do it, but you can't do what you just did now. Cause it doesn't make sense to me anymore. See, I'm, I, are we were, I don't know. Cause I thought I had remembered that there was a moment when he like, it's supposed to be like a fireside scene and he's like, in operatic song he's like he's like oh yes you're the one who like tripped me on he's like i remember you now i met you on the road I, my horse fell because of you like it was sort of that huh that's See, the way i interpreted that song where i understood it to be she saw him on the road after so i interpret it to be she shows up she's expected he knows who she is there's no question of like the governess that essentially like he hired And then she later, because they have this whole song about, before that, they have this whole song about Paris. So if you're saying that's a flashback, I think that would maybe make more sense. But Mm -hmm. I really interpreted it as this is, because he says after she falls off the horse, he refers to her by her name and says Jane Eyre. And so I really thought it was like a few weeks after she's been there and he knows who she is, (laughs) he falls off a horse maybe i mean they did definitely like change some things around as far as like how this like is laid out one of my next notes is about the song uh the sound of a horse which is kind of like what we're around this area that we're talking about and this is kind of like the scene where it's one of the fireside scenes i think he is kind of at this moment when he would generally be talking about he's like oh yes uh were you waiting for your people the little green men Mm -hmm. this is when he kind of i think reflects on the horse meeting of being like yeah you were the one who like spooked my horse that's when we met that one time so Mm -hmm. it seemed kind of like it was treated in uh retrospective but what i wrote down about that song in that moment this whole thing especially with the spooky vibe and everything this felt like he also the person who wrote this was taking a lot of inspiration from like the original french uh beauty and the beast fairy tale uh it had a lot of those vibes of like Uh, Rochester is self-describing himself as this ogre and this monster and all this other stuff. And he's like, why aren't you afraid of me? And Jane is being this kind of bell princess trapped in the spooky house with this like spooky weird guy. And she's like, oh, you know, I'm I'm open to all this stuff and blah, blah, blah. But I also had there's other lyrics that they talk about in that song when um, 
he sings about how there's something sad in this house and the way that they sing about that. And because I'm thinking about this beauty and the beast motif, I'm like, I don't know if this was intentional, but it felt almost as if like, you know, the curse that's placed upon the, the evil prince or the, the jerk prince and his household and everything. That is the sadness is the curse of this thing. And he speaks of hags, which is in reference to his wife. But I don't know, it's very gothic fairy tale in that moment specifically. And I liked that vibe. Yeah, I think it's interesting. The Beauty and the Beast comparison, I think, really works because mm-hmm. I don't love... I. I will, one of the biggest things about this is I hate this Rochester. This Rochester sucks. Like he's <laughs> gross. He's very like truly evil. And it's, we'll talk about it when we talk about Bertha too. Like they make Bertha very real and this dude sucks. Like he says the <laughs> grossest shit to her in that song. He says, I don't live up to your young girl's expectations. <laughs> and then she responds to him later with like, I have no fantasy, sir, which pissed me off because I understand what they're going for there. Like, mm-hmm. I get that what they're trying to say is like, I didn't have any expectations for you. Like, that's not my problem with you. Like, I'm not, I was, I will get to know you for who you are. Like, I get that that's what they're going for. But what they actually said was, I have no fantasy, sir, which they don't correct the idea that Jane is a whole person later, that mm-hmm. she has this whole internal world. Like they make Jane so shallow in this and then they make Rochester such a dick and then they make Bertha <laughs> a person. And I'm like, you can't do all three. And it's such a like this. Oh my gosh. That's so interesting. I did not pick up on him being a dick. <laughs> He's a dick the whole way through. <laughs> I don't know. I think it was leading into a lot of the negative stuff about Rochester's character that we actually have in the novel. No, I know. And it's just being like, it's like Lillian, he's not a romanticized, uh, perfect guy from the BBC. He's a much older man who has a wife upstairs. But that's So that's like the thing, though, is like, I think they it, it feels very similar to that interview we read about Siri and Hines, where it's like, I think that you don't get the character Mm-hmm. genuinely my my understanding of these it sounds like these two men had somebody describe the story of Jane Eyre to them once and then they wrote an opera well maybe he was trying to be more realistic in his first draft and then it got stolen and he's like screw it it's half Beauty and the Beast it's half <laughs> Jane Eyre I don't care I'm just gonna write this opera and be done with it I'm gonna have a little girl tell a ghost story and that's gonna be great and then the rest of it's gonna be whatever the fuck I want it to be <laughs> by the way so um, we are going through uh, our emails from Airbus at gmail.com reach out to us we love when you when you send us things and uh someone corrected us and (laughs) i'm so glad i'm so glad that they did um we've been saying that the ass butthole white that is syrian sorry sorry his name is actually pronounced kieran kieran (laughs) kieran we're sorry and also how did you guys let us go on for a year and a half like this Oh my God. And what I said to in my response is I'm like, I'm so glad you told me. Um, I th- honestly think I've been calling him Syrian Hines. One, I am also sometimes dyslexic when it comes to names I'm not familiar with. <laughs> but two, I swear to God, I've heard other people call him that. I and so- also think I've heard other people call him that. Okay, so this was not totally a case of Piper had a fever dream of how to say a man's name and then pass it on to Lillian. I think someone told us the wrong information. (laughs) It's also an Irish name thing. Like 200 years ago, somebody from Ireland came here and that resulted in me. Um, But also, (laughs) 
<laughs> I studied abroad in Ireland. I love Ireland. I love Irish people. Um, but you guys do names to trick me on purpose and I get it. It's really <laughs> funny. Um, but if you don't send us an email about it, we're going to do it wrong. So, Oh my God. So now I'm like, I just want to keep calling him Syrian. <laughs> we should do a swear jar for ourselves every time we call him Syrian instead of Kieran. Yes. And we each have to like put something in the swear jar. Amazing. Okay. So anyway, just had to correct that real no. quick. Oh my God, please. Yes. <laughs> also, we've gotten so many just like juicy emails recently and they make me unbelievably happy. It's so good. Thank you guys. Whoever sends us emails, we love you They're all. The best. <sighs> okay. So I'm going to keep going with my yeah. take that I don't hate this Rochester. <laughs> I think he's interesting. Um, and most of it is just like the narrative choices and such. So one scene that I really enjoyed, but I also think it's going to lead into a conversation that I think you will like one, oh, okay. one side of. Cool. So we have a scene where he must have just been hanging out with his wife upstairs, comes down and Jane has a line where she's like, Mr. Rochester, you are hurt. And she like comments on how his face is scratched and his clothes are torn. And he's like, she's like, what happened? And he, you know, talks about, you know, handling some kind of situation being vague or whatever. And so where I actually think you could take this two ways. One, it did sort of a Sandeel moment, which I have often said when we talk about that, when we see Rochester, not just, you know, living with the guilt of taking care of this mentally ill woman, but literally being with a physically abusive person mm -hmm. who like attacks and hurts you, that I think makes him way more sympathetic to be like, he's not, it's not just emotional, it's physical, it's all the things like, yikes, you're in danger. Um, so the idea that he like has to fight off a dangerous person I think he's more sympathetic. But then you could also, I think from what I feel like you would lean towards is like, no, he wasn't just bringing his wife a bowl of soup and she attacked him. He was probably <laughs> being mean to her and she was defending herself and that's why he's scratched and torn. So that's maybe what you would lean towards so, with this guy. <laughs> I want to say one thing about specifically that scene. And then I think we should just talk about Bertha for a second because it's so important. This Bertha is so different than genuinely any other Bertha we've ever had. So my vibe of him coming down and her being like, you're hurt. It feels like a combination, like they're pulling moments from the Mason attack and the fire. And they're kind of mm -hmm. bringing these two moments together where Rochester is hurt and Jane is helping him, which I yes. thought that was an interesting, like if you're going to have to cut it down to an hour and 11 minutes, like that's genuinely an interesting narrative choice to make. And that's like the only it. nice thing I have to say about it because... <laughs> His vibe when he comes downstairs is like he's hurt and she's like, oh, my God, are you hurt? And his whole vibe is like a sullen teen or like a man with a man flu who's just like, no, I'm fine. God, like, just leave me alone. I'm totally fine. Just leave me alone, Jane. Don't even worry about it. I didn't pick up on that at all because that's the part where when she's like, she's like, why are you so hurt? What's happening? And he's like, don't worry about it. Here, have this flower. Like he's like doing sweet things. <laughs> you and I are listening to this in very different tones. <laughs> Amazing. We're listening to it in such different tones. And that's probably why we just, we like and dislike this man is I'm like, he's such a whiny little bitch. who's like trying to get her flowers. <laughs> so she doesn't ask questions about his wife who's locked in the attic and is trying to escape. And that's why she attacked him. <laughs> and I'm like, no, he's a sensitive being who wants to pick flowers, but there's a woman upstairs who's clawing his face. <laughs> <laughs> he's like a monster, but he's not Lily and he's actually fine. Um, <laughs> So there's a lot of other things that happen, but the there's Bertha gets two songs. Yeah. And 
she's there's a couple of moments that I really love. First of all, they call her Mrs. Rochester, which I understand they make a narrative choice there, but it also really drives home the idea that this woman's identity has become being Rochester's wife Mm -hmm. and Rochester sucks and (laughs) locked her away. And she says lines that are two lines that she says in Jane. So there's a song that's Jane, it has come. And it's, I believe about the veil and Mm -hmm. Jane very much into the fancy fancy veil which is not at all how she is in the book anyway (laughs) and then so she's thinking about how beautiful it is mrs fairfax is so happy for her and then meanwhile bertha is singing at rochester why have you locked me away which she sings over and over again and then she sings sent me to a living grave Mm -hmm. no there's okay that's the thing is like i I think one thing that I, one reason I liked this version a lot is because I am thinking of it not as like a direct adaptation of mm-hmm. Jane Eyre. I think this is an adjacent story slightly inspired by, because this feels way more kind of like the kind of drama that you would come across in an opera story plotline of it is literally not, it's not so much the, oh, I was forced into this marriage and my wife is mentally ill and what else choice did I have, but I put her in the attic. This is much more of, you're right, this guy is like just trying to like, he doesn't want to be with his wife anymore. He wants to be with this young lady instead. And so it doesn't seem as if Bertha is mad. It definitely seems more that he got tired of his wife and then she like, you know, locked her in an attic. Um, she has pretty free range though she's able to come down and sing to jane like she's the one who like confronts jane is like i'm mrs rochester Mm -hmm. and i thought i don't know there's something about that that i think is so interesting that she could exist they could both exist in this household and not quite cross paths until they get this far in the almost getting married thing where she's finally able to come down and be like I'm mrs rochester i'm his wife not mentally ill by the way scratched his face once he tried to give me a flower pussy <laughs> just to be like i'm a badass i don't know i i like she has a line there too where she she refers to herself as the bride of thornfield and yes. it's like oh that is so cool that should be the name of this opera the bride of thornfield see and i think if, it, if they had done something really dramatic like that and set up my expectations for it to be really different but here's the thing I I like your interpretation of it. I think that's really interesting. I think if I had gone in with that view, I maybe would have been more on board with it. But I went into it going, this is going to be an opera of Jane Eyre. Mm-hmm. And then I hate this dude. Something he did in the <laughs> beginning like pissed me off. And so the whole time I'm like, maybe he's going to come back. And he didn't because he sucks. <laughs> and everything he said was terrible. And I'm just like fully... If that was what this was, if it truly was like a different interpretation, I want like a fully let's go reluctant immortals and these two fuck on out of there and this guy's left alone. <laughs> like I want Bertha and Jane to fall in love and get out of there. <laughs> they could both become the brides of Thornfield yes. and then he just has to leave. Rochester needs and to he, get out. I, I was thrilled when this man di- was almost dying in a fire. I was like, yeah, get him. There are so many moments in um, around the song Jane, my dear, it has come and like when the the reveal is happening mm-hmm. where my notes are literally i'm just like ooh, bertha's singing bertha is revealing herself bertha's lament the ghost of thornfield and i wrote down <laughs> ooh, and i'm like bertha confronts jane cool the bride of thornfield very cool these are my notes and i'm like this is what's happening See, i liked that part <laughs> i liked that 
but then Rochester comes in like an asshole. So that, that <laughs> song, like, so beautiful is the three of them. It starts with Bertha doing the confrontation. Then Jane is, like, asking questions and upset. And then Rochester comes in. And this is something that he does during the proposal scene in this as well, where he says, call me Edward, which is a thing he does. Yeah. But the way he did it in this pissed me off because it didn't feel like she was calling him Mr. Rochester and he wanted it to be less formal and he wanted them to have this intimate relationship. Felt like a demand from someone who sucks. <laughs> the very first thing. So put yourself in this place. You've been in love with this man. Something weird has been happening in this house. Turns out he has a wife who's totally sane, who's been locked in the attic. And she comes in and goes, hey, I just want you to know, like, that's actually my husband. You probably shouldn't marry him. And then this man comes in to defend himself. And the very first thing that he says to you is, call me Edward. I'm throwing <laughs> him out a window. That guy sucks. <laughs> I thought it was interesting around that point, too, because, yeah, when he's doing the explanation scene, um, I had noticed that he earlier on, I think it's supposed to be when they're in the garden, he starts to tell her about being in Jamaica mm -hmm. and um, uh, how this was sort of set up. And then once he's caught, he then kind of is like, so that story I was telling you, there was an ending <laughs> that I missed. I skipped over it, but it ended it with me getting married. <laughs> okay, so there in that explanation part, I wrote down a few lines here that I liked. I liked that when they have they had a few lines that are like directly taken from the novel mm -hmm. and then they kind of like embellish them a little bit, but kind of the part where it's like, I do not hate her because she's mad. That's sort of a thing. Yeah. Jane has a line where she, Oh, he asks her, he says, do you pity me? And she says, I have pity. I have pity for that, for that poor creature, your wife. And I have pity for myself. And I thought that just hearing that it made me like a little switch was flipped in my head i'm like oh ooh, it's just like lillian and i's favorite thing about why she leaves because of self-respect yeah like that's the main thing and so at least he tapped into that so. and she and then see i would have liked that if after she said that she went but you fucking suck and then pushed him <laughs> out a window <laughs> so after he fell out the window hit the trampoline and bounced right back into the window mm -hmm. um there's then he's talking in his explanation this i also thought was an interesting take he has this line that he says we were sold for 30,000 pounds. He's referring to like both he as a young man and Bertha as a young woman were both simultaneously trapped into this marriage by their families for yeah. the money. And I was like, that's interesting. He says, yeah, me and that mad girl. Because she's not a person in his mind, despite the fact that she's very clearly a person. Anyway. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I mean, it definitely, again, I'm going off this idea where I'm like, this is like, someone is is playing around with the source material and i like some of the choices they made and i like this kind of spooky operatic like gothic beauty and the beast yeah. fairy tale um but yeah if you're looking for it to be very true to the novel you may not like it as much or if you're in like a weird mood and you are listening <laughs> to your very first opera ever and you kind of get lost it a few times and every time you get brought back it's just rochester being an asshole like probably not gonna like it <laughs> One thing, so you mentioned with his, when he's like, he's like, call me Edward or whatever. Um, I have to say the proposal song that like the way that escalated, that is using the medium like to its full advantage yeah. of them just being like, I, I don't want to try and do an impression because I can't do opera and it's going to suck. But essentially it's just him like the way the tempo builds. Mm -hmm. It felt very kind of like sexual to me as if they were like, you know, being, he's like, say my name, say my name. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm sorry, listeners. That might have been too much. Apologize to me. You you acted it along. I can't do that. Oh my god! But um, uh, since this is already definitely going to be a explicit episode, one thing that I love in music, and not just operas or musicals, but like any kind of song, I love it when the singer sounds like they're like getting off while they sing. <laughs> I think it's very exciting and awesome, and I'm like, ooh, yeah, so, I liked this moment. Oh my god! I'm so sorry, <laughs> listeners. This is too much. <laughs> I, on the other hand, didn't read it as super sexual, but instead was like, oh, there's the weather, it's a storm. Like, that's what they're doing. I didn't think they were actively having sex, but... I didn't say they were having sex during the proposal. It was just the way that they're, like, singing and the excitement and the building of it. It it just sounded very sexual to me. Okay. That's exciting. I like when singers sound like they're getting off while they sing. Lillian (laughs) likes when a singer sounds like they're tucking themselves into bed for a a long winter's nap. (laughs) I like when it's very clear that they have two separate twin beds and they're wearing little nightcaps. Cuties! And they have a nice little warm cup of milk to sip on before they go off to go honk shoe, honk shoe. Oh my god, my tummy hurts. Okay, incredible. Um, so that's the opera, guys. <laughs> yeah, it's we then uh, another interesting choice that I think they made. That given the constraints of the format and the fact that they're doing this tiny little baby opera, I really enjoyed was instead of following Jane to Sinjin, they stay at Thornfield and we listen to Bertha light the house on fire and die. Yeah as a very real actual person. So that's upsetting. And then <laughs> Rochester sings Jane a lot for the last two songs. That's most of what happens. Yeah. It's, you know, he's calling out for her until she finally comes back and she's like, yes. Okay. I heard you stop Jesus saying my name. Christ, dude, calm <laughs> and he's down. like, but what if you said my name? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, say it back. <laughs> so we have a little game that we're going to do, but, or not really game, but a, th- a, a little secret fan casting thing. Cause we yeah. knew this was going to be short. And so we weren't going to have a whole episode for it but before we do piper let's rate it oh i'm ready our scores are going to be so different they're going to be real different (laughs) so i am rating this 7.6 sopranos out of 10 is so specific see i was like this isn't quite an eight because that means i like really like it but it's i think it's i liked it a bit more than a seven because i liked the choices that he made of like how to change this story so it's a 7.6 sopranos and i'm not talking about the popular tv show i'm talking about the lady who sings the high notes okay I'm going to use both the Sopranos logo and a lady singing a high note so that people Amazing. know. Yay! Um, but I was going to rate this a 3 out of 10 because I hated it. Um, <laughs> but with your context, it has actually bumped it up the most that any conversation has. I'm going to rate it a 5 out of 10 because I think it's just a fail, not the worst thing I've ever listened to. Amazing. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Right smack dab in the middle. Yeah, I think she did it. That was a musical. Um, I think these men did not understand the story of Jane Eyre, but I like the idea of them choosing to tell a different story, which I hadn't considered because I thought when they said Jane Eyre, but an opera, it was going to be Jane Eyre, but an opera. 
And who knows, maybe I'm giving this guy more credit than he deserves, but the next time we're in the House of Lords, we'll go and find him and we're like, hey, where's Berkeley at? We got some questions. Well, you're going to do that. You're going to ask those questions. I'm going to be like, can someone explain to me how this works? Because it seems like you guys used to be very similar to the U.S. Senate, but now you're like this other thing where like you don't really have that much power, but it is inherited. Like, I don't think you guys are elected. Someone explain it to me. You know what else I think is weird? Why do they still wear those silly little wigs as hats? Like, yeah. they're not even pretending it's a wig. That's email, literally a hat that you throw on. Email us about that one, too. Yeah, they tell us that, about the wigs. They do that in all courts of law, which, to be fair, I wish my job came with a costume. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I could say more, but I don't want to be offended. offensive. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I do. Let me tell you. We don't want to scare off half of our listeners. We love you, We love you, Brits. We do. We love you. (laughs) Okay, Um. so for this next section, because we had previously done a fan casting, either mini episode or it was one of these things that we tag on the end, and we only got around to talking about our heterosexual Mm. pairings that we wanted to do. And I had made this whole list that included same-sex couples, and we didn't get around to it. So Lillian and I were like, let's talk about the gays. Because we yeah. love them, and they also deserve to yeah. be in period dramas and do lots of kissing. Piper was specifically the one, because as everybody knows, I hate the gays. Just <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, no. funny if you are aware of the fact that in the last year I've come out. Um, that's really funny then. So. <laughs> Everyone else is like, what's happening? I have a whole episode on it on my other podcast. Go listen to that. I'm not going into it here. Um, <laughs> but so we both have... A couple of, t- what is it when they're mentioned, special mentions? Oh, um, I don't know. Shout it outs? Has a, like, no, it has like a... Um, Honor- honorable mentions. Honorable mentions. Thank you. My brain's You're doing great today. Yay. Um, so we have a couple honorable mentions, but we also have one queer couple that is men and one mm-hmm. queer couple that is women. And yes. maybe we'll do non-binary babies next. Yeah. I don't um, know that many nine, non-binary actors, so I would have to do some serious it. research. I was Googling it, like, <laughs> right after I finished my first two. I was like, because that, that one uh, actor who's on Pirate Show, the most recent one that came out. Uh, are we the, talking about Black Sails? No, the black, the one with Taika Waititi. Oh, um, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, Our Flag Means Death. Yes. Uh, there's a non-binary actor on that who I love. So that was cool. going to be my Rochester. Funny. Anyway, I'm not remembering their name. That's okay. We're going to pause real quick. I have to do a big nose blow. So hang on. Keep the fact that you're going to do the nose blow in the podcast, please. <laughs> I will. My nose has been blown. Yay. <laughs> so do you want to start or should I start? Um, Let's do a rock, paper, scissors to decide. Ooh, okay. Ready? Okay. We're going to do it on one, two, three, go. Yeah. Okay. One, two, three, go. Oh, I did paper. So you win. Okay. Win you're going I first. Scissors. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go first and I'm going to do my gentleman first. Lovely. So I actually have pictures of these actors because Ooh. I'm a very visual person and that's a lot of how I pick them. And also... Um, my Jane was an actor that I haven't actually seen the thing they're famous for. And so I worry that you may also have not seen the same thing they're famous for. So you were going purely off of aesthetics. Well, a little bit for specifically for my Jane. Um, okay. I, cause I don't know a lot of young actors 
And my Rochester is actually Rochester's age, which meant in order to have the age gap, I truly needed them to be the other one. So my my Rochester is Elliot Page. Okay. Um, Very tiny. The world's tiniest Rochester. But you so, but I also think he so fits. I think he <laughs> would be so good, specifically like this suit. Can't you see? I can just see it with this. Like, and I think that the whole, the conversations they would have around like, uh, like, is he manly enough? Like, is he handsome? Like, is, I think that's like a really interesting, like this, I don't know. I just think that it's a really, <laughs> it adds this interesting layer to me, to a Rochester, picturing them like Elliot Page. And then the other one, his name is um, Joe Locke. Okay. And he was in the show Heartbreakers. Um, which is a Netflix <laughs> show based off of a graphic novel that is very cute. I just haven't actually watched the whole thing. I've seen the trailer roughly a hundred thousand times. Okay. Um, but it's very adorable and he's very adorable in it. Aww. And I think he would be such a great Jane. And I just think their like chemistry together would be 10 out of 10. I love it. Cute. So I feel like for the gay men pairings, Jane would be John Eyre right? Yes. We're going to go with, yeah, guy names. So so the guy that you chose for John Eyre, um, mm-hmm. is he an American actor? Is he a British actor? Do you know? I think he's British. Because Elliot Page is American, so yes. he would need to do a British accent, unless you're also setting this in America. <clears throat> I didn't <laughs> think about, about that, that hard. <laughs> I'm just, I like your casting. I'm just so like distracted by how tiny Elliot Page is. I can't picture him being like a romantic, like the brooding kind of mysterious master. I feel like he'd kind of walk in and be like, oh, hey, John, what, what's up? <laughs> it's me, I just the master of the like, house. <laughs> I feel like he could play it really well. The like angst of it all. Like, I can see that. Have you watched Umbrella Academy? Love Umbrella Academy. He's in Umbrella Academy, and the angst that he plays in Umbrella Academy, Mm -hmm. I feel like is the angst that he could play as a Rochester. Like, can't you see him, like, being really depressed? And, like, because there's a whole love story that he plays in, I want to say, the second season of Umbrella Academy. Um, Yeah, when they go back in time. Yeah. um, yeah. I picture, like, very much that vibe of, like, they meet each other like he's very distracted and then like almost against their will they fall in love like (laughs) that's cute to me (laughs) I like it I like that that's good I mostly just pictured them alone in a castle like I didn't care where that castle was or what accents they were using oh I like it cute yeah because that actor so Joe is 19 Mm -hmm. um and Elliot Page I want to say late 30s okay let me check cool who who are your let's go with your gentleman. Okay. So um my gentleman, I this is based solely on the fact that these two actors were in a movie together where they were not gay, but I am part of the fandom <laughs> that wishes they were. <laughs> um okay, so uh bear with me, Lillian and audience. Um the movie Kingsman, uh the first one. So okay. I'm taking. Oh my god! So oh I my want god. my I want my Rochester to be Colin Firth. 
Um, cause I think he's, he's the older gentleman. He's dapper enough. Um, I think he could do that. He could do both the sweetheart as we know from he's in the original pride and prejudice, uh, version that everyone loves. Um, and then also he's just like a cool, like awesome in control guy definitely can have some secrets, but then I want my, uh, John Eyre to be Taron Egerton, but Taron Egerton at the exact age that he was when he played Eggy Eggsy oh in, uh, Kingsman, if any of you are fans of uh, dapper gay fan art. There is galleries worth of gorgeous fan art of these two being Arthur, romantic together, and I'm have, obsessed. You have to find me your favorite fan art so we can put them on Instagram, and I then we'll will. put like a whole ton on our Patreon. I'm so excited! No, there's so much like talented art for these two, like being like just gay yeah. lovers, and I'm obsessed with Incredible. it. So. <laughs> I'm just going to simply recast Kingsman, but instead it's Jane Eyre. <laughs> I love that very much. I think that's great. Um, I, I kept thinking about like other characters in that movie and I'm like, okay, but who would Mark Strong play? And I'm like, he could be Mrs. Fairfax. <laughs> just an entirely oh gay recasting. <laughs> just all men. Just all men. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> incredible oh my god so good oh oh dude and then um uh <laughs> michael kane can be bertha <laughs> and samuel jackson can be blanche <laughs> oh my god samuel jackson is blanche's cheek good i've died now it's Wait, so, especially him in that movie yes with oh the lisp <laughs> i can't Maybe um, for our Patreon, I will uh, like do a Photoshop edit of the cast members from Incredible. that movie in period costumes oh as these God. new characters. We can't do this to you every week because you already have one that you're going to do from last week's episode that you're yes. working on art for. Do we want to <laughs> tease that for our patrons or no? Um, I will tease it for our patrons because I think it's only available for the $8 level, right? Yeah, Until we $8. move it down because mm-hmm. we love you all and it needs to be seen. Um, so we talked about this idea of in our version that we're going to make, uh, Rochester in the modern day is just mm-hmm. a drag queen. So I started a little comic strip of um, <laughs> Jane and Blanche go to a drag show and get roasted by seen, drag queen <laughs> Rochester. i the baby sketches that I've been told not to share. But they're so beautiful. I'm so excited for you guys. Yay! Can't wait. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, That's so we good. talked about our dapper men who are yes. going to embrace and smooch and fall in love. Now let's talk about ladies kissing. Yes. Ladies kissing. Ladies um, kissing. So first, I have an honorable mention because yes. I wanted this person to be my Rochester so bad. Mm-hmm. I was dying. And then I realized that they were actively too old and it made it creepy with my uh, Jane. (laughs) Let me just double check their age. So, or her age. It's Laverne Cox is my honorable mention. Amazing. (laughs) I think she would be an incredible Rochester, but she's 50. Cool. And is magically unaging. I genuinely thought she would, I was like, I know she's a little too old, but she's got to be like early 40s, right? And I like Googled it and I was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) And if I put her with the 20 something, like very, very young, literally half her age, uh, it won't be an acceptable choice. Um, So instead, my Rochester is someone who is actually close to Rochester's age, which is Tessa Thompson. Nice. Um, and her Jane is Zendaya. 
cute. Oh my so gosh. So this is how I pictured them. Piper can see it and you guys can see it on our Instagram. Or if you're watching on YouTube, you're probably already seeing it. Oh, um, cute. Right? Oh my gosh, so I like cute. that. I love them like this. Tessa Thompson would make a fabulous female Rochester. So good. Like Ooh. she just could absolutely kill it. Dude. Okay. I'm definitely picturing extreme high fashion for that character. Yeah. It's awesome. In and my brain. just like very, <laughs> like very masculine for the era mm-hmm. um, in a way that is kind of like this layer of actually fuck you all. Like that's how I picture her attitude towards the like I'm not going to participate in society's expectations mm-hmm. and I've learned that like all of this is actually bullshit um Amazing. is by just like being rich mm-hmm. in a society that like does not want a woman to be rich and being powerful and like then just being like just the it just it's very good <laughs> <laughs> I like it it's all good I'm saying is it would be very good I think it's aesthetically beautiful and also I think they both obviously have the acting chops for it yes. so in the range. So I have um, also an honorable mention. Um, I kind of want to talk about both of these, but we'll just see how we feel with time. Yeah, you can go go with your main one and then because I have a couple more honorable mentions that we can just list off at the end. Okay, so my main one is also partially part of my ongoing agenda to force Lillian to watch Gentleman Jack because she will love it. And in that one, again, I just took that cast and I just popped it into Gay Jane Eyre because the lead actress um, who is in Gentleman Jack, Lister and Lister, they're both Anne's in the show. Um, So the actress is... um, Serene Saran Jones, and sorry about pronunciation about on that one. Um, she's easily my my female Rochester, and then the woman who plays uh, her love interest in the show also is my female Jane uh, Sophie Rundle. But since you aren't as aware of those actors, um, though you will fall in love with them once you finally watch the show, uh, I'm not going to dwell on that for too okay. long. But We'll put up uh, visuals and you'll love it on on Instagram. When I was doing my own kind of like, okay, I can't just keep taking people that I love who already are together in <laughs> properties that exist. So my actual fan casting for this, my female Rochester is going to be Kate Blanchett. Ooh, yes. Very good. That was on my list. Picture her. Did you see uh, the live action Cinderella? Yes. Oh my yes. God. <gasps> yes. Okay, so she plays the stepmom in live-action Cinderella, uh, in my opinion, the only good live-action Disney remake. Um, And so that is how I see her as my uh, Lady Rochester. And then my Jane is Ariana DeBose. Do you know her? She was in... She won Best Supporting Actress for West Side Story. Oh, I think I do. I think I've seen her. Nope, that's a different person. I spelled it wrong. Ariana DeBose, did you watch um, Schmigadoon on Apple TV? Um, <laughs> She's the school teacher. <laughs> I have not, but I've heard really good things. Okay. Um, yes, I do know who this is. Very cute. Um, she is just lovely, and she's a lesbian in real life. So she's just like she knows how to she knows how to kiss a lady. She's and good Kate at Blanchett it. <laughs> has come out as straight so many times, and no one has ever believed her. And it's, <laughs> I think that's probably not great. We should believe people when they tell us things, but 
I just saw Kate Blanchett in uh, the movie Tar, um, where she plays the oh, female yeah. conductor. And okay, I got two hours into that movie and we were only halfway through, so I didn't actually finish it. I am going to go back because it is a phenomenal performance. But the way she plays that character, too, I think that strength, that control, that kind of yeah. weird closed off darkness um she would kill as female rochester yeah i think that's an interesting because you've also aged them up because yeah. kate blanchett is 53 mm-hmm. and um ariana debose is 32 yeah these would de- these would definitely be older but i just liked the idea of them together I yeah think could- i think that's a lot of what i was doing was like i would find actors that i'm like oh i love this person as jane and then i'm like that's as it turns out, they're way too old for that. But my my honorable mention is also my next honorable mention is also a little bit older, which is Dakota Fanning um, oh. and uh, as Jane or Rochester. Oh, not Dakota Fanning. What's her sister's name? Ella Fanning. Oh, Elle Fanning. Elle Fanning and Kate Winslet was the other. Cute. Yeah, I think. They oh, would be I like really that one a lot cute. too. That a would couple be of really blondes. cute. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. That's nice. But that's also aging them up a bit. So that's one of the reasons I leaned away from it. And then also I started picturing Tessa Thompson as Rochester. And I was like, I want this to happen for real. Yeah. Um, Oh, my gosh. Okay. So, guys, we need you also, because I know you've been sitting at your your old-timey radio shouting at it, being like, you're leaving out the best gay couple ever. (laughs) So please send us who your romantic gay ships are, just in general, but also for a recasting of Jane and And Rochester. And also send us your favorite non-binary actors so we can start putting together our next one. um, Absolutely. Which I think would be fun. (laughs) Also, just a little side note, I know that I'm always bringing sad facts to this podcast but <laughs> there's a the trans uh, awareness day is at the end of this week and mm. there's been a lot of kind of terrifying and really really upsetting anti-trans legislation that's been coming out here in the states if you are in one of the states that has this legislation it genuinely does matter if you call your representatives they actually pay attention to that and make decisions based off of that so reach out to them and say that this is something that matters to you and for all of our trans listeners we love you very very much and you will always be welcome here Yay! Jane Eyre is for everybody. Yeah! (laughs) And if you don't think so, maybe you suck! (laughs) Just like how Lillian kicked that guy metaphorically out the window, Mm -hmm. she'll do the same thing to anybody who's hateful. Yeah! Yeah, not nice. (laughs) (laughs) Actively passing hate legislation? I'm gonna kick you out a window! (laughs) We will fight the whole legislation in the Kmart parking lot. Yes. Every single one of them. And I will win because I'm full of righteous vengeance. (laughs) So thank you guys so much for listening to us. Talk about opera, talking about our fan castings, supporting rights for everybody. Um, If you have things that you want to share with us, good vibes, all this jazz, you can reach out to us. We are at AirBuds on all major major social channels. As we talked about, we love getting the emails that you send us. Mm-hmm. Please keep correcting us. We can grow. <laughs> we can improve. So send us emails. Um, uh, we are AirBuds at gmail.com. And next week, we are going to be back with a new episode. We're doing another character study. This time, it is on the other women in Rochester's life. We've already done one on Bertha, but we are going to be talking about Blanche, 
primarily. I think that'll be most of what we end up talking about. But we're also going to be talking about Celine and the two other women that Rochester mentions in chapter 27, um, yeah. kind of doing a deep dive into those characters and what Charlotte is saying about the other women in Rochester's life and how Jane's just not like other girls. Yeah. Um, I'm just letting you know right now, this episode, I'm definitely going to be an anti-Rochester person. Yes. Yeah. He did those ladies dirty and I don't like it. <laughs> Not nice. <laughs> so sneak peek for next week. <laughs> Buckle up, boys and girls. <laughs> if you're ready for Piper to start roasting Rochester the way I did this episode, and you think that's a good thing, and you want to give us five stars about it, I have some great news about podcast platforms. You can rate us uh, five stars on all of those. Rate us five stars and put in your fan casting, and we'll read it. Apple Yay. lets you write sentences. Please do it. It matters to us. And just in case you have done that, we haven't even talked about it that's Lillian's job I, I don't have okay there has been oh the, guys come on pick, <laughs> pick up the pace boys and girls <laughs> here I am thinking that we aren't reading stuff oh my gosh either way though we love you so much thank you for listening thank you for joining us and we hope to see you next time so happy Jane Eyre reading watching and opera singing yeah bye bye Thank you.